We've had some time now to breathe after watching Penn State really do whatever they wanted to the Auburn Tigers. And though more time has gone by, it still stinks. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackaby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby of Auburn Daily, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Joining us to recap the mayhem that happened at Jordan-Hare Stadium this past weekend. And Lindsay, I want to talk about the game and, and I want to, you know, really get into what happened, but that's not really what the discussion is about right now, Lindsay. It, it's about Brian Harson and what appears to be the inevitable end of the Harson era for Auburn football. Yeah, I mean, the big thing that is kind of glaring after this loss and after really the first three games of the season, you touched on it. I think on our show a few weeks ago, mm. you mentioned, you know, wins and losses don't necessarily like, that's not the end all be all for the evaluation. It's the proof of concept, right? Yeah. What can we show as far as the offense and the defense player development, recruiting and all of that stuff to show that Harson is building a winning program. And at this point, Having watched Penn State, you know, put up 41 points at home against Auburn, um, six sacks, 11 tackles for loss, one touchdown in garbage time. And it's like, there's no proof of concept. Nothing, nothing looks like this is a team that will contend for a while. You made a work, you worked to bring back all these offensive linemen. You brought in all these quarterback transfers. Mm -hmm. You brought in all these, you know, all these guys from all over your recruiting class and everything. And you look worse to them this year than you did last year. So let me just let me just kind of play devil's advocate and be pro proof of concept. Okay. What if you look at Arkansas last year? You go on the road and being an Arkansas team knows better than you. Like you, you saw something there, and then the Iron Bowl when you virtually had no quarterback production whatsoever. Is is that enough of a proof of concept? I don't think it is, Lindsay. But if somebody were to say, well, the Iron Bowl, like you're able to do something defensively and put something on the field that looks respectable. And we all agree that I think from a talent standpoint, the defense looks better than a year ago. It's not happening as far as execution, but on paper it's there. That's really the only thing I can pull from is the Iron Bowl, which was a four overtime loss to your biggest rival. And, you know, to kind of devil's advocate that, uh, one, the Arkansas victory, different quarterback, different offensive coordinator True. who are both gone. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Bowl, different defensive coordinator. Uh, plus, it's the, I feel like you almost get less credit for playing close to your rival at home versus a game against a team that's not your, because there's so much emotion there. In sure, the Iron no, Bowl. I, but, I get it. But with the Iron Bowl too, that coordinator left to take what is at best a lateral move to Oklahoma State. And yeah. so even taking saying, hey, look at what we did defensively in that game. Well, you lost some of those players. They graduated. They went pro, whatever. And the coach left. And what you have now, like you said, athletically, they look like they're better. 
but execution wise, they look worse. And you have your hand poach, your hand picked staff here. You have selected every single one of these guys. That's what you want. Coaching these guys. Yeah. This is your team. You wanted these coaches, and they look worse than they did last year. They look worse in year two than in year one, and that's opposite of how it normally should be. Yeah, and I think from the roster's point of view, I think every position. We talked about this for months, six months, the first eight months of the the year. We talked about how the roster looks better at pretty much every spot, with the exception of quarterback and there were some things that people put up throughout the day Sunday where it's like, yeah, Finley's not perfect, but like even the pick, like Tarvar Dawson apparently ran the wrong route. I think Justin Hokinson confirmed that with, with a, a source. So I don't know, man, like it, it's just not good. And, and you talk about the execution of it all. And that was kind of what Harson leaned a lot on in the post game presser. And I, I mean, I guess I was expected, but, he talked a lot about guys being in the wrong gaps and having the wrong assignment and maybe the wrong routes and people just not being where they're supposed to be. And he said it, Lindsay, in a way, and tell me if I'm reaching on this, but he said it in a way where it almost sounded like he's like, yes, the players were in the wrong spot, but like, not really my fault. And it's like, no, dude, if that many mistakes are being made by that many people on your team, like... That is you. Like, that is coaching 100%. And it may be not fall, like, maybe it shouldn't fall 100% on the head coach, but that's that's the gig. Sorry. Like, that's the gig. When you're the head coach, you get paid a lot of money, you hire all these staff members, and these are your guys, like you said, Lindsay. And so that was just a lot of what he talked about, is execution, execution, and knowing where you're supposed to be. And Auburn did not do that well on Saturday. And that is 100% coaching in this part of the season. Yeah, he a few times in the press conference, he said, like, you know, that's what we do as coaches. We get our guys prepared, and we didn't have them prepared well enough to go out there and play the game. And he even said that Penn State didn't do anything crazy, you know, didn't do anything wild out of character. Uh, John Table Schenker mentioned they were prepared for the twists that the defensive line does and what they do when they're blitzing. Uh, you know, offensively, they, they talked about having been told about these things. And they just were never in the right position. And like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's coaching. It's, he's like, I've got to do a better job to get these guys prepared to go out there and play against really good football teams. Well, why haven't you been doing that yet? What, what yeah. did you, were you spending too much time preparing for Mercer and San Jose state to be ready for Penn state? Didn't look like and it. if that's, if that's the type of, of staff that you are, that you don't have the capacity to, to do that. What's it going to mean when you get into the SEC schedule and you're playing ranked team after ranked team after ranked team every single week? You don't have time to look ahead. Are you going to? Are you telling us it's going to happen every time, or are you guys just going to magically figure it out partway through the season? Yeah, I, the the there are so many issues. It's not just quarterback play. It's not just bad offensive line play. It's not just getting weapons in space. Lindsay, in just a moment, let's speculate on some of the many different things that it could be and how they could possibly fix it over the course of the next few weeks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Auburn opens as a seven-point favorite against the Missouri Tigers this upcoming week. A little surprised by that. I thought it would be a little bit closer, but Auburn is a better team than Missouri, and it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium, so we'll see. 11 o'clock games, those are always a little weird in the SEC. But hey, be sure to check out all of the lines, all of the props, 
everything going on at Bet Online. Just search it uh, in your favorite search engine, whether it's on your laptop or your uh, your you know your your what is this phone iPhone is the word I'm thinking of. Uh, just search it. It's got a really easy to use. Um, mobile interface. The mobile interface may actually be better than the than the full website. So check it out. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Lizzie, looking at everything that potentially could be going wrong, and, and there's a lot of it, right? I mean, the quarterback play isn't perfect. Offensive line is far from it. The the, the receivers aren't getting open, and when they do, they either fumble or, or whatever. The quarterback rotation, I still think, is really, really odd. I know we all love Robbie Ashford's upside, but then on, on defense, I, I think there's actually some stability on defense if, if they get help on offense. I really think it would help out a ton. But still, like like Harson talked about at his press conference, gap discipline, over-pursuit, Owen Papo disappears at times. And so like, there's just a lot of little things where it's like, this isn't just one thing that you fix. One thing and you shore up and all of a sudden it's better. And so my question to you is like, if Auburn is going to turn this thing around, what exactly does it look like? And, and we talked about this with, with John Samuel Shanker and we'll talk about it with him on tomorrow's show, but it doesn't seem like it's an attitude thing. It doesn't seem like it's an approach thing. It's I don't believe it's a talent thing. Is Auburn's roster perfect? No, it's far from it. But like, it's not as bad as it was. It's not, you know, getting tripled up by Penn State bad. You know what I mean? So, like, in your mind, what do you think has to happen if they're going to turn this around? I think when you look at the way that the, the roster is constructed, the lineup's constructed, and the depth chart's constructed, you need more than you're getting from your veterans. Uh, it's something where... The, the, the positions where you're having the most struggle right now are the positions where you have upperclassmen. You have guys who have been in the system who are not producing in year two. Think about perfect example of this is the offensive line. You asked all of these guys to come back and you have Brandon Council getting into a practically a fist fight, trying to punch a dude who has a helmet on at the end of the first half. Right. Um, you've got, uh, a quarterback in TJ Finley, who is now on his second year in the system and is still prone to throwing interceptions or, you know, fumbled two or three times in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive backfield, you've got guys who have been in this system now, you know, they've been on campus multiple years. They've been here for more than one year, like a Nehemiah Pritchett uh, that are still allowing, not going to say dumb plays, but are, are still finding themselves out of place too often. Owen Papo. You, you mentioned it disappears for a guy that we're talking about could be a really high draft pick to the NFL. He makes a lot less impact than you think an expected draft pick would. And they're, they're in a, you're in a position where you're drafting him off of um, off of potential more so than off of production. And that's not how it should be. And you're not going to be a competitive roster when you have guys in that position in the SEC. It's just not going to happen. You need more from these upperclassmen than you're getting. Yeah, both of Auburn's linebackers, their rush defense grades. Owen Papo was a 43 out of 100. Cam Riley was a 41 out of 100. That is not good for your two linebackers to not be good at stopping the run against a a pretty solid force. I think they're overhyping the freshman just a little bit. No disrespect to him, but, but still just like... 
over the course of the second half, they were just giving them yards. They were just giving them yards. And some of that, I don't think it's a physicality thing. I think it's a you're not in the right spot thing. And that's on the coaching staff. The coaches have to fix that. And when your defensive coordinator is the same guy that coached linebackers the year before, that should be better. Right? Like, shouldn't, like, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Like, if, if a linebackers coach, now DC, is leading your defense, you would think the linebackers would be better. And that's or, unfortunate. Yeah, like there's that, or there's they're, they, they were not that good last year, and he did a lot of work to get them in position and now doesn't have the time to do that. Either well, way, you, you it's lost not a good them, thing. though. You lost them because like, Owen didn't play that much last year, and good you, point, lo- you lose to Kobe and Chandler. So, like, I don't even know if that's relevant, you know? Good point. Yeah, it's, it's something where that should be the strength of your defense since he coached it. He's most familiar with that. And and you would assume he would be orchestrating the scheme in such a way to funnel, you know, funnel the, the ball carrier to them so they can make the play. And they're consistently not able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Auburn Daily Roundtable, like I said, watch out for Nicholas Singleton. You nailed He's it. very talented. He broke off a long one. And then what did he do? 54-yard touchdown, put up over 12 yards a carry against Auburn. Uh, Auburn gave up 245 yards on the ground and just not something that we have seen a team come into Jordan Hare and do in quite a long time. And I think more so than anything, that's the thing that stood out to me Mm. is Auburn just looked like they were beat in every single facet of the game. And we haven't seen the only two times I can remember a team coming into Jordan Hare and doing that um, was that terrible 2012 season we're not going to talk about. Okay. And then Johnny Manziel coming into um, coming into Jordan-Hare with Texas A&M. And I don't think Sean Clifford or Nicholas Singleton or anybody on this roster is winning the Heisman this year. No. And yet you let him come in and do that. And it's – I just don't understand how you get significantly worse against the same opponent. And Harson even said it. They, we played them last year. We know who they are. It's just a matter of us executing, and yet we executed worse in every single phase. No, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I want to talk about some of the positives in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by the drugstore. It is the place to get all of your medicine needs in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area. They are located on Dean Road in Auburn, and they are owned by folks that grew up in this community. They are Auburn people, Auburn pharmacists, Auburn grads. Uh, I, I went to high school with uh, with the owners. So um, folks that, that are super familiar with your uh, with everything going on in the community, and also they want to get to know your family and make sure everybody in your family is taken care of. They have uh, all kinds of vaccine shots, Available, easy, uh, easy to approach uh, drive-through, as well as um, a bunch of other stuff that you need to go check out for yourself. So just type in the drugstore in your phone's GPS, and it'll take you there. Or um, it's, it's on Dean Road, right next to um, the new, uh, newly renovated Kroger, the drugstore. Thank you for partnering with Locked On Auburn, Lindsay. Some of the positives here, um, and everybody wants to talk about the pass rush, but Eculiota in this one was fantastic. He was great. Um, but outside of that, there's a pretty big drop-off. DJ James was pretty good. I think Colby Wooden was solid. Marcus Harris was solid. But just your dudes, like, I keep expecting Derek Hall to just take over a game. And it hasn't happened yet. And he had a few plays back-to-back early in the game. But 
I thought there would be times where we would see Derek Hall just completely, you know, like when J.J. Watt was in his heyday, and it's just like this, like he's able to do whatever he wants. I thought we would see that Derek Hall version of this at the college level at some point this season, and we haven't seen it yet. The question I have is Eku Leota able to do what he does because there's extra attention given to Derek Hall? Or is it something where Derek Hall isn't winning a one-on-one matchup? And I just from, I haven't specifically watched looking for that, but I'm inclined to think you're giving extra attention to Derek Hall and Eku Leota is able to consistently win his one-on-ones. So th- that's a good question. So pro football focus credits Auburn with four hurries. Four hurries across the entire team from Saturday. Eku has three of them. Marcus Harris has the other. I don't care where the attention is. That's unacceptable. Sean Clifford went 14 of 19 in the game. Um, Second and third stringers got in for Penn State and had perfect completion percentages. Uh, It's... This is supposed to be a segment about the positives, but I'm really struggling to come out with a lot of positives. Positive, the game is over. As Harson said, we're going to flush it on Sunday, and Monday we're on to Missouri. Yeah. That's a positive for you. Yeah. Um, watch the tape. I mean, it's, I mean, right, Lindsay, watch the tape, throw it away, and then you got to start over. Like, what you're doing and the way you prepped for San Jose State and Penn State, you can't do that again. Whatever you tried... You can't do it again. And so I don't know if that is you just, you you change quarterbacks because you need a spark. You change what you're doing defensively because you need a spark. I don't care what it is, but there's some sort of shift has to happen. And I don't care if it's the most intellectual approach and the most wise approach to do it. You, you just got to change stuff for the sake of changing it. Or you're, you're not going to win a lot of games this year moving forward. Yeah, and you don't necessarily have the luxury of changing one thing and seeing how it works mm. and continuing to do that to find the best version of your defense. If you were or and your offense, if you were three and zero, and or even two and one, but you played a very close game to Penn State and there was a couple plays that could have swung it one way or the other, you would have the luxury to iterate and figure out what is the best version of your team offensively, defensively, lineup, and all of that. You don't have that luxury right now. Yeah, uh, This is a situation. Auburn opened as a seven-point favorite. Um, I saw eight in some places, and I legitimately was surprised Me too. that Auburn was that big of a favorite. And I expect that to come. I expect by the time this pod releases, it's going to be down to probably under a touchdown. And there's been discussion about if Brian Harson gets fired after the Missouri game, you don't have the luxury of trying to figure out how to run your offense and your defense the best. You have to do whatever works. Yeah, You have to abandon your previous idea. If you're insistent on, we're going to swap these quarterbacks every other play, take away all momentum from TJ Finley when he hits a completion, put Robbie Ashford in an obvious running situation. Uh um, You don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. You have to go with the guy who has the best chance to win the game. Because at this point, I would dare to say, Brian Harson is almost week to week with his job right now. It if seems Auburn, like that. It seems if Auburn like that. loses to Missouri, Brian Harson does not make it through. I know Auburn's not a fire coach in midseason kind of team, but things have changed with the early signing day. Mm-hmm. And if Auburn loses to Missouri, 
Brian Harson does not have a job. And so you have to figure it out and you have to figure it out now. So he, here's, here's the positive spin on all of this. Penn State is a better team than Missouri and LSU. That's not crazy to say, right? That's not crazy to say. And so I think we all agree that, you know, Auburn's not 30 points worse than Penn State. I do think they are worse. I think if they play that five times, how many times did they lose by 30? That may have been the only one. I don't know. It's still not great. But if you beat Missouri, which you should, you should beat Missouri. You are on, on paper, you're better in Missouri in every single way. It's at home. Like, you, you, this should be fine. And then if, I mean, the, the Auburn fans, like, they may be ticked, but they're going to get up for LSU. Like, you don't have to worry about losing the team or anything like that if you're 3-1 and one going to LSU with a chance to be 4-1 and one going to Georgia. I mean, we all said going into the Penn State game that this is the one to lose. If you're going to lose one of the first five games, this is the one to lose. And they lost it. Now, they lost it by significantly more than what we thought they were going to lose it by, but we all agreed that that was the one to lose. If it's if you lose one of the first five, it needs to be to Penn State. And so if Auburn starts 2-0 in conference play, if they can beat Missouri and beat LSU, and obviously beating LSU really helps you out. You're not going to win in Georgia. This team is not going to win in Georgia. If it does, then the talking point totally shifts and we forget about Penn State. But I, I just don't see that happening. But then moving forward, like, you got a shot. I mean, you... Auburn historically has always been better than Ole Miss. Like, even in Ole Miss's best year last year, it seems like they've had a chance. Um, A&M is extremely beatable later in the season. We'll see what happens if they can make it that far with this coaching staff intact. But I just think with Ole Miss and Arkansas at home, I think Arkansas at home is extremely winnable. Like, they look very vulnerable. The SEC does not look great this year outside of Georgia. Um, going to Starkville... I don't feel super good about that one, but Texas A&M at home, like, I can still talk myself into these things, right? Just because, like, you get blown out at home against Penn State, it doesn't change the difficulty of your schedule. And I think a lot of these teams that are are on this schedule are worse now than we thought they would be going into the year. Yeah. That's my orange and blue glasses approach to it. You're right. It doesn't change the difficulty of the schedule. What it does is it reduces your margin for error. Sure. If you lose to Penn State by a last-second field goal or by you know a, a, a failed fourth-down conversion and it's a close game, you have a little more leash. You have a little more grace. You have a little more, um, little longer of a runway. Mm-hmm. But when you lose by thirty to Penn State at home after pulling the shenanigans about the jerseys, the dumb crap with the jerseys we're not going to get into, you just, you lose a little bit of that flexibility to have a bad game and still be safe mm-hmm. as far as your employment status. This was, this was, this blowout loss was the same as a close loss in one of those toss-up games later that, or one of those, uh, a close loss in one of those games you should win later. Mm. Like this was, this, this was your, your runway here and you just lost it. And now you have to not literally, but proverbially, you have to go undefeated. You have to make all the right calls. You have to do the right thing and show proof of concept and show that this team is getting better throughout the season because you don't have, 
one more stumble like that and you don't have a job. Yeah, and the way it looks totally matters. <clears throat> um, it matters more now than it did before. The whole rotating quarterbacks thing, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how much Harson really believes in that because, you know, whatever he rolls out this Saturday, that's what he truly, truly believes in. And all these folks that are, you know, Prozac, Calzada, and, hey, you guys may be right. I don't know, but... Just the fact that this coaching staff knew what was on the line and they're choosing to not play him, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah, and in the press conference, they actually said, like, we specifically talked about it and we decided to keep Robbie in there and let him keep playing because it's a chance to, it's an opportunity for him to play and for us to evaluate it. And so they had a moment where they could have said, let's put in Zach Calzada, and they said, no. We would rather see more of Robbie Ashford than see any of Zach Calzada. And like you mentioned earlier, I don't think the quarterbacks are the biggest problem with this team. Now, I think the way the quarterback position is being handled is an issue. I don't think the quarterbacks themselves, despite the statistics with with the interceptions, I don't think the quarterback position in and of itself is the worst problem this team is dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's been confirmed that, like, um, Tavares Dawson ran the wrong route on Finley's pick. So it's like, I, I, I just... I, I did not watch that game thinking, oh my gosh, the offense stinks because of quarterback play, which I have thought in the past watching Auburn. But it's just, there's so many things. There's so many things. And like a good offensive line would certainly help TJ. Uh, it certainly would help Tank. The receivers, like, man, Shedrick Jackson, dude, like he'll have two really good plays and you're like, he's turning the corner. Here we go. And then it's just like that fumble. And it's like, Shed, come on, dude. Like, what are you, like... Uh, you're better than this. I firmly believe you're better than this. Um, it, it just is tough to watch because you pull for all these kids and you get to know these kids and like you see how hard they're working and it's just like when it comes time to do it, they're just not they're just not consistent and it, it stinks and you, you hate it for them. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, we're going to turn the page and look towards Missouri starting on tomorrow's show. Lindsay, how can people find you, read you, hear you? All that good stuff, buddy. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find the written work all about Auburn at auburndaily.com and the merch at aushirts.com. Yes, and you can read all of my written work at auburndaily.com as well. Thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen. For your second listen, either check out Lindsay on Locked on MLB Prospects, Chris Gordy on Locked on SEC, or hey, starting today, the first ever Locked on Sunbelt is up with our buddy Dave Schultz. So be sure to check any of those out for your second listen today. This has been Locked on Auburn.